Good PTs know that it's important to stay up to date on what's happening in their profession. With best practices developed from over 2.5 million care episodes, the team at ATI Physical Therapy is doing their part to make sure clinicians are practicing at the top of their license. Paired with their continuing education, professional development opportunities, and vibrant clinic culture, ATI is working hard to ensure all clinicians are not only driving their profession forward, but also going home happier. Find out more at ATIPT.com. Welcome to the MPT StudyCast. My name is Rachel Barisi, and I'm a board-certified cardiopulmonary and geriatric clinical specialist. I'm also the owner of All Things Cardiopulm. My superpower is being able to break down super complex information into easy, digestible, and practical chunks. My goal is to help students crush the cardiopulm section on the MPTE by being able to understand the why and tackle any question, whether it's rote memory or case-based application. Thanks for joining me today, and let's get after it. Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of the MPTE StudyCast. I am your host, Dr. Rachel Barisi from All Things Cardiopulm. So today we're going to be talking about the electrical conduction system, and we're going to be hitting on some major concepts. We're first going to talk about myocardial cells themselves and their important traits. We're going to hit action potential just a little bit, need to know facts, and then we're going to dive into the route of electrical conduction and some key components at each part of the pathway. So first off, we have two types of myocardial cells. We have mechanical cells, sometimes known as myocytes, and conducting cells. Mechanical cells essentially have the ability to contract, and they have the ability to contract because they have a large amount of actin and myosin, as well as mitochondria, which basically give you all of the information that you need. It can contract, and it's going to have a high rate of endurance due to the large amount of mitochondria that exists, which totally makes sense because the heart has to work 24 seven without truly resting. Conducting cells on the other hand, allow those cells to basically spread the signal. So once a cell is stimulated, it has the ability to send the signal to the next cell and to the next cell and to the next cell until it's able to contract as a unit. And so it's super efficient at doing that which kind of brings us into these important traits. Myocardial cells have the ability of automaticity, rhythmicity, and conductivity. Automaticity literally means that the myocardial cells have the ability to contract in the absence of stimuli. If you were to remove the heart from the body, for instance, during surgery, I don't know why you would ever do that, but in theory, if you did, it would continue to beat. And it would do that because it has automaticity. It is also rhythmic. It has the ability to contract in a rhythmic manner. And we know this because when we think about the heart, we think about it beating, we think about a pulse. And when we assess pulse, we think about its rhythm. Boom, 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 lub-dub, lub-dub, lub-dub. In a normal working electrical conduction system, the heart is beating rhythmically in a regular rhythmic manner. And it has the ability of conductivity, which is what we just mentioned. It has the ability to transmit impulse. So once it is stimulated, it's going to send the impulse to the next place, to the next cell. It's gonna spread the signal relatively efficiently. So that brings us into a concept of action potential. 
the contraction of the heart muscle itself is due to action potential. I know when we hear action potential, we get a little bit nervous, but let's just give you the quick and dirty, the need to know facts about action potential and heart contraction. So I'm sure you've seen this picture before. This is a very common picture in the world of textbooks and heart conduction system. And if you're listening on podcasts, I basically have a graph that shows a resting membrane potential, a sharp straight line for sodium, a plateau-like line, and then a down phase. And so essentially what you're seeing is depolarization and repolarization of the heart muscle. Need to know facts. The heart creates its own action potentials. It creates its own action potentials at the SA node. Depolarization, aka contraction, of the heart is due to an influx of fast sodium channels and slow calcium channels. So the heart doesn't have a true resting membrane potential, but at a certain threshold, we're going to have an influx of sodium relatively quickly, and then an influx of calcium relatively slowly. So the action potential of a heart muscle is very similar to one of a skeletal muscle, except for two main things. One, calcium plays a role. And two, it's a little bit longer. It's a little bit longer because it needs time for the heart to fill and contract efficiently to have good cardiac output to the rest of the body. So depolarization or contraction of the heart occurs due to an influx of fast sodium channels and slow calcium channels, and repolarization or relaxation of the heart is due to an efflux of potassium. So here's our route of electrical conduction or the pathway that we might see. In normal working hearts, we should start our electrical conduction pathway at the SA node. And if you can see in this picture, the SA node is at the top right corner of our right atrium. So even if you don't have the picture in front of you and you're listening, I want you to think that the SA node is located at that top right atrium. It then goes to the AV node, to the bundle of his, down the left and right bundle branches into their Purkinje fibers. And we're gonna jump into each one of these. So the SA node is considered the pacemaker of the heart because it's the site for impulse generation or the site for action potentials. And this occurs because the SA node has these P cells that basically have a fast, spontaneous rate of depolarization. And the reason why the SA node is a pacemaker of the heart is because of that, because it has the fastest rate of depolarization. And that rate, that inherent rate of the SA node is 60 to 100 beats per minute. And that's super important because that is the same as normal heart rate. So in a perfect world, our pathway starts at the SA node because one, it's located at the junction of the right atrium and the superior vena cava, AKA that top right aspect of the right atrium. Two, it's the fastest spontaneous rate of depolarization. And when we think of the trajectory of impulse generation, I want you to always think down and to the left. So when we look at the electrical conduction system, we're thinking of the person anatomically. 
So the top right of my atrium down to the left ventricle. And that's a question they really like to ask in the world of ECG. But as you see the pathway itself, it makes 100% sense. So I just wanted to kind of pull that out. One other fact about the SA node is that there's a commonality in verbiage, which I think makes it easy for us to understand or remember. So I'm going to give you like a little remembering tip. The P cells at the SA node are the site for impulse generation. What's happening at the SA node is that once we have impulse generated, it stimulates from the SA node and travels through the atria, through the Bachmann bundle and three internodal tracts to essentially cause atrial depolarization or atrial contraction. On the ECG, what you're gonna see is a P wave denote atrial depolarization. So SA node has P cells that stimulate this impulse and we're gonna see it on ECG via the P wave itself. And the P wave on the ECG denotes atrial depolarization. So just an easy way to remember that. From the SA node, we hit the AV node. And like I said, it's gonna come down the internodal tracts to get to the AV node. And the AV node sits at the inferior aspect of the right atrium, right around the opening of the coronary sinus and above the tricuspid valve. And if you're not looking at the picture and you're hearing me on podcast, essentially what you're seeing is we're going from the top right of the right atrium to the bottom left of the right atrium. So we're working in that down and left trajectory. AV node's super important because it has a function of slowing down the cardiac impulse. The AV node's like the brakes of the system. We have this impulse generated, we're spreading the message quickly and the AV node halts it just for a 10th of a second. And the reason why it does this is because it's allowing time for the atria to contract to push the blood into the ventricles, essentially allowing for ventricular filling. So we're giving time for the atria to contract fully and eject the blood out of the atrium fully. We need the time to do that so the AV node delays the signal. This is essentially what we call atrial kick. And atrial kick, although has a number of different percentages in different textbooks, Approximately 20% is the known amount, which is pretty important. So atrial kick makes up 20% of cardiac output, which means the AV node delay allows for 20% of cardiac output. It's basically allowing the time for that contraction and that fill or ejection to occur. And we're going to see this on the ECG tracing via a flat line between the P wave and the QRS complex. We call that the PR interval. So we should have a normal delay, about three to five small boxes for that PR interval. That's normal. We have this delay. It's not very long. It's only a tenth of a second in real life, but it's enough time to allow for full ejection of the atria. This is important as well, because if we're thinking further down the line and we're thinking about arrhythmias, if we have a problem at that PR interval, for instance, AV blocks, a first degree AV block shows itself 
by having a prolonged PR interval. So a lot of times when you have AV node issues, you're going to see it at that PR interval. So the reason why you care about the foundation is because it helps you answer more advanced questions further down the line. And the last piece of information that you need to know about the AV node is that it also has an inherent rate. And its inherent rate is 40 to 60 beats per minute. So it's a little bit slower than the SA node, but it's still pretty good. It's a good backup system. Okay, so we go SA node to the AV node to the bundle of his. The bundle of his is basically this triangle of nerve fibers within the posterior border of the interventricular septum, that's where it's located, and then it bifurcates into left and right bundle branches. And they bifurcate and travel down the interventricular septum until it gets to the next network of fibers called the Purkinje fibers. And the Purkinje fibers extend from the apex of each ventricle and they penetrate the heart wall to the outer myocardium. Now, I think this is the coolest part because this is where the electrical conduction system meets mechanical contraction. Electrical stimulation of the Purkinje fibers results in mechanical, uh, mechanical contraction of bilateral ventricles. And you're gonna see this on ECG tracing as the QRX complex. Okay. Purkinje fibers do also have an inherent rate, but it's not a very efficient rate. It is 15 to 40 beats per minute. So it's not really one you want to rely on, but is a last ditch effort that there is some backup rate if everything else was to fail ahead of that. Okay, so a recap. We have the SA node, which is in our upper right atrium the right border, most right aspect, most right superior aspect of the right atrium. It's considered the cardiac pacemaker because it's where the action potential exists and it has an inherent rate of 60 to 100 beats per minute, which is the fastest rate of depolarization along the pathway. We go from the SA node to the AV node via the Bachmann bundle, which spreads the signal to both atria and the internodal tracts to the AV node. The AV node's primary function is to delay that signal just for a tenth of a second so that we allow time for the atria to fully contract and inject as much blood as possible into the ventricles. And we're going to see this on the ECG as a PR interval or a flat line, an isoelectric line between the P wave and the QRS complex. So SA node to AV node to the bundle of his. A bundle of his splits into left and right bundle branches, which essentially lets the signal travel down to both ventricles and into the Purkinje fibers, where that electrical stimulation is literally going to penetrate the myocardium and allow for efficient ventricular contraction. There is always a backup rate. There is an inherent rate built into each part of this pathway. And understanding the foundation of these pieces of the pathway will very much help you in understanding arrhythmias down the line, okay? One quick fact about the bundle 
a bundle of bundle branches is if you had one side blocked. Okay. And this is, this is the part about the heart that I love, or just about the human body that I love is that there's always a backup system in place. If one branch is blocked, the signal is going to go down one of the branches to the Purkinje fibers. And once the Purkinje fibers stimulate, it's going to have a retrograde stimulation to the other ventricle. And that's when you see a bundle branch block and you're gonna see a change in your QRS complex because there's increased time and a block during that, but it still occurs because there's always a backup system. So just a reminder that no system works alone. And even though the heart has this intrinsic function of the SA node creating inherent rate and creating action potentials, it doesn't work by itself. We have the neurohormonal system really helping control the heart as an extrinsic factor. So when we think neuro, we're really thinking autonomic nervous system, helping to regulate the speed or rate of contraction, as well as the strength of contraction, as well as the time for recovery and relaxation. And the hormone or hormonal system is another backup system that very much mirrors the autonomic nervous system to basically do the same job if something was to occur. So we have intrinsic and extrinsic factors that basically help control the heart and work it, make it work as efficiently as possible and allow you to meet any metabolic demand that you're trying to achieve, whether you're at rest or moving to exercise or trying to run across the street, your body is going to be able to adapt due to those extrinsic factors. And when in doubt, there's always some backup system waiting to help. All right, I hope that was helpful. Um, if you have any questions, please contact me via text at 913-308-4494. If you prefer email, you can email me at allthingscardiopalm at gmail.com or hit me a message on the DMs, on the Instagrams at allthingscardiopalm. And if you like what you heard today and you need more help prepping for the MPTE, check out my website. I have an MPTE cardiopalm prep course that can help you get the rest of the way. So I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day and whatever you have to do, get after it.